This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. BC's emergency benefit kicks in. We're going to do everything we can uh, to be able to make sure that the supports are in place. Who qualifies for the $1,000 and who falls through the cracks? A rise in racism during the COVID crisis. It's not fair to put the blame on Chinese people. Disturbing graffiti targeting Chinese and the search for the suspect. And local grads get a gift from a Hollywood superstar. I'm a former student of Kitsilano. Ryan Reynolds offers advice and a lot more to the class of 2020. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. More help is now available for BC residents struggling to make ends meet due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Thousands have already applied for the BC Emergency Benefit for Workers. But as John Hua reports, the eligibility requirements mean some people might end up falling through the cracks. With businesses closed and many British Columbians barely hanging on financially because of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's made it harder and harder for people to be able to make ends meet, to be able to pay their bills. The province is now offering a one-time tax-free $1,000 top-up to anyone whose work has been affected by the outbreak. For people who've been let go of their jobs or who are trying to get by working on reduced hours, we know the pandemic is weighing heavily on you and your family. And the need for BC's emergency benefit is obviously great. Once when the online portal went live, the province received 16,389 applications in the first 45 minutes. And we put aside about a billion dollars for the direct services or direct supports uh, for individuals. So that would include the emergency worker benefit that we're talking about today. In order to qualify, you have to be a BC resident since March 15th, agree to file a 2019 BC income tax return, be at least 15 years old, and have already been approved for the Federal Canada Emergency Response Benefit, or CERB. Those receiving provincial income or disability assistance are not eligible. What they're actually saying with their actions is that we're all in this together, unless, of course, you're disabled, and then you're not worth as much as everybody else. Criticism surrounding the CERB is that some continue to fall through the cracks. So why use it as a requirement? BC's finance minister says increased eligibility was sacrificed for efficiency. They're just aligning it with the CERB because there's already that system in place. And I get that this pandemic pandemic is a bureaucratic nightmare, but we can't put bureaucratic tidiness above people's lives and their well-being. The province says it will continue to review who is being hit hard by this pandemic. Some worry there will still be the haves and have-nots when it comes to getting much-needed help. John Hua, Global News. On the day when rent is due for thousands of British Columbians, some gaps in the province's rent assistance program are beginning to show. Tenants who live in illegal or unauthorized suites say their landlords are refusing to sign up for the subsidy. Richard Zussman shows us what they're being advised to do anyway. It's a benefit designed to help renters. What's becoming apparent is some landlords don't want their tenants to apply. I told her that 
it is it is unfair for her to ask me to sort of give up this this money that is that comes from the that comes from the province as a way to help those of us who are in need during this time. Christina's story is similar to many living in Metro Vancouver's overheated rental market, where landlords often rent suites and they don't want the government to know. But we're going to do everything we can uh, to be able to make sure that the supports are in place and that people are able to get through uh, this difficult time. The advice from Housing BC, which Christina has taken, is for all renters to apply, even if their landlord hasn't agreed to sign off. Even if it's an illegal suite, the landlord should cooperate, complete their sh- part of the application that BC Housing is not reporting uh, anything to local government or, or the provincial government. There are other issues being grappled with as well. In some cases, renters aren't even able to contact their landlords. When they do, in some cases, landlords are telling the renters they must pay the entire rent. And Housing BC still hasn't paid out a lot of the applications. A lot of people are still waiting for support from BC government. They've actually not received Uh, anything so far. There are also calls from the landlords to renter advocates for the province to increase the supplement currently at $300 for individuals and $500 for couples and families. We would like to see the rent uh, supplement enhanced. The province hoping other benefits including the CERB and BC emergency benefit will be enough to get people through. As the economy starts uh, opening up uh, you will see people able to go back to work, able to pay their rent. But for now, with all the challenges, the rental subsidy is an extra stress on a time full of stresses. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry and BC Health Minister Adrian Dix took a break today from the usual press briefing updating the COVID-19 numbers for the province. But we did get the new numbers for you, and they include 33 new cases for a total now of 2,145. One new death, which means 112 people have now died. 79 people are hospitalized and 24 of them are in intensive care. Both those numbers are down, though, which is good news. Now, the remaining people with COVID-19 are recovering at home in self-isolation. To date, 1,357 people who had tested positive for COVID-19 have recovered. Our Keith Baldry joins us live from Victoria with more. Bit of a jump in the new cases, Keith, but not a total surprise because we are doing about a thousand mm-hmm. more tests each day. Uh, and you've been doing some digging into the ages of people affected. Yeah, and before we get to that, I just want to point out and emphasize how encouraging it is that our ICU numbers are now one-third of what they were uh, in April, from 72 now down to 24, and our hospitalization rates, these are the most serious cases, continues to go down from a peak of 149 to 79. So that's very good news. Uh, but back to the ages, the Center for Disease Control keeps a lot of statistics, and including what, uh, what people are actually getting this virus in terms of ages. So have a look at this. The median age for people who get COVID-19 is 53 years of age. Uh, that's the median, that's the middle figure there. The median age of deaths hasn't really changed much since the beginning of the pandemic at 86. Uh, the oldest being uh, 101, the youngest being 47. 86 is the median there. So that's what's getting the age group that's getting hit the most or get hit, getting hit the worst with the worst outcome for this virus. Some other numbers don't have it in a graphic, but I went through all the cases uh, as of yesterday. And in, if you think only old people are getting this, you're wrong. 150 people in their 20s have tested positive. 
positive for this virus. And 10 kids under the age of 10 have tested positive for this virus as well. So it shows you that no one is immune here. No matter what age you are, this virus is a considerable risk. Yeah, we got to keep that in mind as we go forward. All right, thanks for that, Keith. One of the most troubling side effects of the pandemic is a rise in anti-Asian hate crime. The latest example at the Vancouver Chinese Cultural Center. As Romina Dea reports, it's just the latest in a spate of disgusting behavior that's become routine, according to employees who work there. And a warning, some of the subject matter might be disturbing. Uh, how about to say, let's put a stop to uh, Chinese coming to Canada, shoot them on the spot. Obscene language, most of it too graphic to broadcast. COVID-19 fueling racism, hitting a frightening level in the Chinese community. In the past, there's only a discriminatory uh, comment written, but it's never to that level. Like, this is some deadly uh, wishes. Vancouver police going public with the hate crime investigation almost a month after the Chinese Cultural Center was defaced. The prime suspect captured on surveillance camera April 2nd. We want the public to, to please call us if they do recognize this suspect or if they were in the area at the time of this incident to please call us. Police heavily concerned, saying investigations of hate crimes against Asians have spiked since the pandemic. Twelve reported incidents in all of 2019, compared to 20 in the first four months of this year. Since the April 2nd incident, the VPD erected four surveillance cameras connected to a mobile unit here at the Chinese Cultural Center. Fencing has gone up with padlocks at both entrances, but clearly it's not a deterrent because it's mayhem inside. I see it all the time. I see it nonstop. I see people here walking around and they're high and they're, they're using racist slurs as they're walking by and leaving their needles and stuff everywhere. This is not new. Gardner Douglas Ferguson, heartbroken and angry. He has to walk through human feces, needles and garbage every day he comes to work. We even found a smoke grenade. This is my community too because I work here and, and I love it. You know, and uh, and it's just the city has allowed Chinatown to go into neglect, you know. Ferguson hopeful a suspect is arrested quickly before tensions escalate and someone is seriously hurt. Romina Dea, Global News. The provincial government says the process of moving people out of homeless camps in Vancouver and Victoria is going well, with few people resisting the move. And as the process continues in Vancouver's Oppenheimer Park, the government is putting up some imposing new barriers to prevent anyone from getting back in. These guys are busy. So far, they've put up close to 100 blue fencing panels in Oppenheimer Park. How many pieces of fence did they order? Did they order? You know what? It's hard to say, really. But the good news is at least that we won't be out of work anytime soon. That's you for sure. <laughs> the fencing, topped with security spikes, is going up around areas of the park that have already been cleared out. While the park is still full of tents and other items, fewer people are living here than a week ago. 69 people have been moved out of Oppenheimer Park. They've been moved to hotel and community centre accommodations. BC Housing has secured more than 680 beds around Vancouver. When people are being moved, uh, there are, they're provided with bins to be able to pack their personal belongings. Those personal belongings are then moved 
on their behalf. The government's public safety order comes with a deadline of May 9th, next Saturday. That's when the two tent cities in Victoria and one in Vancouver must be cleared out. There's obviously some anxiousness and some uncertainty on people's behalf, but uh, it's been very calm. Uh, people have been very supportive. There's a lot of people in the site who want to move. But what will happen if some refuse? We'll make assessments every day moving up, and we'll have more to say about that as we get a little closer to May 9th. Back at Oppenheimer, a neighbor, formerly homeless herself, says the cleanup is long overdue. It's a bad area. This is the worst park I've ever seen. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. It's a good day for Vancouver golfers and horticultural fans with three outdoor attractions no longer off-limits. The Vancouver Park Board has reopened Fraser View and McCleary Golf Courses, as well as the Van Dusen Botanical Gardens. All three have been shut down since mid-March. It's not business as usual on the courses, though. Physical distancing rules are in effect. Bunker rakes and ball washers are gone, along with anything else multiple people would normally touch during a round. And you have to book online. The Park Board says one more course should soon come online. We'll see how this goes. We'll learn from this. Uh, we do have a third golf course that's very popular. Each course has its loyal uh, players, uh, men and women of all ages, and boys and girls. And Langara, uh, at some point in the near future, would also be brought back on stream. All three facilities will also have strict physical distancing requirements. The bad news, if you want to golf, you'll have to wait. Both courses are already booked solid for three weeks. BC teachers have voted overwhelmingly in favor of a new three-year contract. After a three-day online vote, 98% of teachers voted yes to the new deal. The contract includes general wage increases of 2% per year for the length of the deal. Bargaining began back in February of 2019, and a deal was reached at the end of March. No one is immune from the financial fallout of the COVID pandemic, including a woman who helps children with her stable full of horses. Why the millions of dollars in relief available to a lot of other businesses is not available to her and how it could kill her business in just over a minute. The all-time roster is set, but who do you want behind the bench? The greatest Canucks coach of all time coming up on the news hour. And with COVID likely to cancel her upcoming marathon, a Victoria mom battling stage four cancer, says it's now or never her inspiring story coming up later right now though a fraser valley stable operator says she's facing financial ruin because of the covid crisis the highly trained ponies at gm stables are used in part for therapy programs for special needs kids but those programs are now on hold and the stable doesn't qualify for any of the provincial or federal assistance packages nadia stewart reports it's been months since Atlee Chapman has seen these horses. It used to be a weekly thing. Like some that when I come down here, I'm excited to ride a horse that I, I don't know what to choose. But that was before COVID-19 abruptly halted the equine-assisted learning and therapy sessions, cutting off a much-needed outlet for her and other children living with autism the skills of the instructor and how these horses are trained and respond to the children are absolutely essential for these kids. It would be devastating if the program collapsed through this. But the threat of collapse is very real. 
it's bad. Most lesson operations and equine assisted learning facilities work on quite a shoestring budget. When something like this happens, there isn't any income. GM Stables owner Tamiko Charlton says she does not qualify for any of the subsidy programs. There is no staff here, aside from the horses. And since they cannot be laid off, the only other option is to sell them. But Charlton says it's the kids who would suffer most. The children we work with have autism, anxiety issues, post-traumatic stress, trauma. These horses are a lifeline for these children and their families. Some of these opportunities are not going to be available if um, these kind of measures are continued. Charlton says physical distancing is possible with modifications to accommodate concerns over health and safety. And for his sake, Alex's mom hopes regulators will give programs like this a chance to relaunch. I just asked them to take a really good look at what is essential to our children in particular with challenges. And I just asked them to think about essential from their point of view and from the perspective of the families. Until then, Charlton is preparing to sell some ponies. So any intervention needs to come soon. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Still ahead, Ryan Reynolds reaches out to some local grads. I can't pass on this one little chestnut of wisdom. His gift to the graduating class of his old high school and how it's going to keep a local pizza place very busy. Also, it was a stunning tribute to New York healthcare workers from the ground. But wait till you see it from the cockpit. That's later. Traffic is in great shape over here at the Patello Bridge this evening. Minimal delays southbound down McBride and through the Queens Park stretch. At Kermack Collision and Autoglass, the safety and well-being of their employees, customers, and community is their top priority. For essential vehicle repair information, please visit Kermack.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Patello Bridge. The COVID crisis has added another level of complication and frustration to the already difficult process of dealing with the estate after a loved one dies. The court system is basically shut down and that's left thousands of families in limbo dealing with wills and probate. Catherine Urquhart reports. Suspension of regular operations at BCC court is delaying trials and it's delaying probate of countless estates. It's just a longer time holding on to a property, still having to upkeep it. Um, there's still a cost associated with holding on to a property, so it's definitely tough for people, especially people who are not working. Probate applications submitted before March 19th are in the queue and they are being processed, but many missed that deadline. For those applications filed March 19th or after, the court will continue to look at those, but they won't actually be issuing the grant until these suspensions are lifted. In an effort to allow wills to be witnessed during the COVID era, Ontario is allowing virtual witnessing. The BC branch of the Canadian Bar Association is requesting that be approved in BC. My position is we absolutely should. This is a simple solution to a very simple problem. The Ministry of Attorney General says it's working with the Supreme Court to determine when uncontested probate applications can be processed and grants issued. Also, it's looking at technological and procedural solutions to minimize backlogs of all court matters requiring in-person appearances. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. One of the funniest men in Hollywood, Ryan Reynolds, has delivered a virtual grad speech to his alma mater in Vancouver. I don't, I don't have anything super interesting prepared for you. I just thought that I would pop in and 
and phone this thing in the way I phoned in my final year at Kitsilano Secondary School. <laughs> um, although I didn't know Love his honesty. Reynolds says his time there was the best thing that happened to him up to that point, and he's still friends with a number of the people he graduated with. He also did have some words of wisdom for this year's grads. Uh, something you might want to start if you're not already doing it. Uh, totally up to you, no pressure, but uh, one thing that's worked for me is, is practicing some form of compassion uh, every day, whether it's for yourself or someone else, especially for someone else. He did some, something unbelievable. Something unbelievable is right. Following his own advice of practicing a form of compassion, Ryan called up a place he used to hang out in back in high school, Nat's Pizzeria on West Broadway, and put in a massive order. He's buying the grads each uh, extra-large pizza and the teachers and the staff uh, an extra-large pizza. So in total, about 385 pizzas. The grads will all get a card that they can redeem for the pizzas. Ryan's favorite, according to Nat back in the day, the Fifth Avenue. Spinach, feta, tomato, and sweet onion. Well done, it's Ryan. The Mediterranean diet. Is the, right? It's, <laughs> it's working for him. Delicious. <laughs> Up ahead, we have more details on Canada's new gun ban. We will legislate fair compensation. The federal government shuts down the trade of assault-style weapons, but will it work? Also tonight. <laughs> one step at a time, a Vancouver Island wife and mother in a marathon race to beat stage four cancer. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Traffic is moving well both ways over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge. That's good news. It was heavily backed up just about an hour ago, seeing minimal delays north at home, Rona is offering free parcel shipping and curbside pickup with online purchases at Rona.ca. I'm Trish Hewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. The Prime Minister used his daily news briefing this morning to announce a ban on assault-style weapons. It's a move that's been in the works for some time, but it's getting mixed reviews here in B.C. Paul Johnson has the story. They have the look and feel of a weapon meant for the battlefield. These weapons were designed for one purpose and one purpose only, to kill the largest number of people in the shortest amount of time. Police say one of the guns used in last month's massacre in Nova Scotia was a military-style assault rifle. The killer in Canada's second-worst mass shooting at a Cole Polytechnique in Montreal in 1989 also used an assault rifle. No surprise that the Liberal government has now moved swiftly to ban a kind of rifle they've long been against. There is no use and no place for such weapons in Canada. But what exactly is an assault rifle? Generally speaking, they're civilian variants of military weapons like M16s and AK-47s. 
Because of their small caliber, they're not well suited to hunting. And when modified with a high-capacity magazine, they have the capability to become horrifying people-killing machines. But so can many kinds of guns. Virtue signaling gone mad. Sheldon Clare is president of the National Firearms Association. It is not okay to steal the property of over 100,000 Canadians. Sir, anything I can do for you? The specter of big government coming for the weapons of law-abiding citizens is a long-prophesied event in the gun-owning community. Who say this move is more about politics than safety. And then there's this. The most deadly guns in Canada continue to be handguns, not assault rifles. And if the new ban is a well-intentioned reaction to the recent tragedy in Nova Scotia, it appears the killer there got his weapons illegally. Paul Johnson, Global News. A Canadian Forces pilot from B.C. presumed dead following an accident during a NATO exercise in the Mediterranean is being remembered today. Captain Kevin Hagan, who was from Nanaimo, he was among six crew members on board a maritime helicopter that crashed off the coast of Greece on Wednesday. The aircraft was returning to the Halifax-based frigate HMCS Fredericton when it went down. The body of sub-lieutenant Abigail Cobra was recovered. A friend of Hagan's who grew up with him on Vancouver Island remembered his love of adventure, in particular flying and the military. Kevin got to follow his dream. Um, he went right from all the aviation courses we did together, right through getting his glider pilot license, his power pilot license, and then followed his dream. He, he died doing what he loved. The funny thing about the military, we're all, we seem to all be a part of this um, instant family. So when you lose a brother or sister in the military, you're, you're losing someone that uh, naturally just became close to you. And sadly, the Canadian Armed Forces search and rescue mission in the Ionian Sea is now a search and recovery mission. While all five remaining crew members of the helicopter that crashed are now presumed dead, HMCS Fredericton is not coming home anytime soon. Global's Elizabeth McSheffrey reports. After an intensive search propped up by allies, the Canadian Armed Forces is confident no one survived Wednesday's horrific helicopter crash off the coast of Greece. These units have completely saturated the area for the duration of the search over a known crash location, so we are certain that if there were survivors, we would have found them within the past 48 hours. The military also confirms HMCS Fredericton will continue its Mediterranean mission after holding a vigil for its fallen crew members. Some are calling on social media to bring the frigate home, but a maritime security expert says Operation Reassurance must go on. It stems back to the business with Crimea and their attack on the Ukraine. For Canada to withdraw the ship, uh, from that mission, it's, it becomes a, a strategic geopolitical statement about Canada is no longer committed to the mission. Military families from coast to coast are reeling from the tragedy, and so is the Royal Military College in Kingston, which lost four alumni in the crash. We expect the best, and we give the best, and uh, those four did not disappoint. Did not disappoint at all. They were on career status, they were on an operational tour, on a warship in a distant place, and they were a credit to us all. 
The CAF says it's found additional helicopter parts in the sea and is sending a flight safety team from Canada to investigate the circumstances of the crash. HMCS Fredericton is expected to arrive in Italy over the weekend, and the remains of its fallen crew will be airlifted home sometime next week, remembered as heroes one and all. Elizabeth McSheffrey, Global News, Halifax. Amid all the uncertainty of the COVID crisis, two friends decided there was no time like today to run a marathon. One of them is battling stage four cancer. And as Brad McLeod reports, with the pandemic threatening to cancel the race she's been training for, they both laced up for a great cause today instead. Being fueled by all the love. From people like her running mate, Grace, to her husband and two kids. I'm so proud of you. I love you. Can't wait till you cross that finish line. Lise is not only attempting her first marathon, but just finished radiation for her stage four cancer. It's in her brain, her heart, and those hardworking lungs. So why would she do this? Why not, right? I think if I don't do it now, I'm pretty aware there might not be a chance. And I think seize the opportunity while you've got it and do what you can every day. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing it for my friends at Kalanish. Kalanish runs retreats for those living with or dying of cancer. And today, she raised nearly $35,000. Humbling for those seeing her on the trails. It's a good testament of the human power to persevere through tough times. And the supportive pals made it together over 42 kilometers. A personal best for Grace and a triumphant first for Lee's. How do you not hug that woman at the end of this race? Friend Grace standing back, letting Lee's take in the love and support she deserves. Oh, I love her so much. I'm inspired in how she's uh, living her life and we can all do better to channel, to channel it. A mom creating lasting memories for her kids and gathering the support her family will need for their challenging race ahead. What do I hope you take away from it? Hmm. <laughs> you know, I guess they just, I just hope that they see the amount of support around them as well. And that they know that, I mean, they know that we love them. And I hope that they see how much of a community we've got around them to help support them and carry through them through some tough times as well. Brad McLeod, Global News, Saanich. Congratulations. Yeah, way to go, Elise. And Grace. Up next, the food bank kicks it into high gear with help from the Whitecaps. Super creative and getting everyone together. How partnering with a local artist proves it takes a village to tackle the COVID crisis. And later, it's Friday, which taco means, salad of course, Ground beef, refried beans. Well, the Vancouver Whitecaps continue to lead the league in imaginative fundraisers during this crisis. Fresh off their mask sale that raised $1.6 million for the Vancouver Aquarium, the Caps have teamed up with an award-winning Vancouver artist to help the Greater Vancouver Food Bank. Linda Aylesworth shows us the colorful, celebrity-studded artwork. 
It was the Vancouver Whitecaps who came up with the idea to produce and sell masks to raise money for the Vancouver Aquarium, which has been struggling since COVID-19 forced them to shut their doors. They just needed someone like us to help them out, give them a little bit of a platform, help them get on the soapbox. Since just last week, over 90,000 masks have been sold on the aquarium's website. As if that wasn't enough, now the Whitecaps are helping another organization, the Greater Vancouver Food Bank. We have actually seen a 20% increase in new clients, and these people are, have never been to the food bank before. Once we learned uh, about this need that they had for um, the need for food and donations, we really sprung into action. This time, they're raising money with art. A poster in color and in the Whitecaps team blue, created by Vancouver artist Carson Ting. It's time. We wanted to find and create this magnificent piece to honor this special moment that's happening at 7 p.m. every night throughout the city. Featured in the center of the poster, our brave first responders, from healthcare workers to firefighters to city workers. Among those cheering them on, Dr. Bonnie Henry and her sign language interpreter, Nigel Howard. There are even a few homegrown celebrities, like Seth Rogen and Ryan Reynolds walking his dog Baxter. It's really, really cool. Um, we're really excited to put it up in our warehouse and to show everybody who comes to our warehouse what an amazing fundraiser this is. The posters can be purchased online at ittakesavillage.shop. People not have enough to eat. I mean, what do you say about that? Yeah. It's, a, it's such a difficult situation. So if we can help in any way in that, then, then we must. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Get this, the Whitecaps say they have already sold more than 550 prints and raised more than $30,000. That includes one donation to the food bank by Neutral Vodka of $10,000. Ryan Reynolds is in it. Maybe Aviation Gin should put some money in. Aviation Gin is... We'll put it out to him on social media. Let's do it. A salute in the sky Tuesday from the U.S. military. After Christie's forecast, a rare look at what it was like in the cockpit during this flight honoring those on the front line in the Big Apple. Wow. All right, let's check in and see what's going on in the sky. A little rainy yesterday. How's it feeling tonight out there, Christy? No rain as of yet, so happy Friday, everyone. But we are in for a wet weekend, unfortunately. It's all about animals these days well and some reptiles as well let's have a look at this this one from john uh this little guy saying happy friday everyone i do realize that not everyone uh, has a friday today but still uh thanks so much john for that one and look at these piggybacking turtles thank you to philip for that one and the cute little rabbit and i've got a great one for you at the end of the segment as well Flood concerns. So most area has been downgraded, but we still are expecting moisture this weekend. Um, most of the areas uh, sort of in um, river basins where it's below 1400 meters, a lot of that snow has melted, but anywhere where you have a, a river basin above uh, uh, 1400 meters. That's where we're still concerned about. So the rain will push on to the coastal regions and then it will shift into the inland regions tomorrow evening. So yes, we are still expecting rain for your area, but you should see mostly sunny skies inland tomorrow during the day. It's just coastal regions that will be affected, but the showers pushing in tomorrow evening. So we are going to see rainfall for a bulk of the day tomorrow by about dinner time. We should start to see some breaks. We'll get in behind the heavier rainfall, but it will be on and off still on Saturday. And here's the photo that I wanted to show you. Our central windows, weather window, 
from Chilliwack, William Snow sending it to this. Yes, smelling the tulips, this Aww. little guy. I love that he's taking a moment. <laughs> Isn't that a special <laughs> shot? That's Great very shot. Cool. Thanks, Christy. All right, earlier this week, we showed you the spectacular flyover in the Big Apple involving both the Navy's Blue Angels and the Air Force Thunderbirds honoring healthcare workers on the front lines of the pandemic. Tonight, a look at the pilot's view. It is incredible the skill these guys have. It's a rare view inside the cockpit of one of the Blue Angels airplanes as the squad soars above New York City. The joint flying demonstration with the Thunderbirds launched a nationwide display of airborne shout-outs dubbed Operation America Strong. The Thunderbirds were founded in 1953, the Blue Angels in 1946, in the wake of World War II. Oh, what a view of New York City. All right, Squires here now. We're going to uh, have our final installment of the greatest Canucks team ever. Yes. So, of course, every team needs a coach. And tonight we will tell you who the Canucks all-time head coach is. Be looking here now, Thomas. That's Harry Neal. Well, who did you vote for? There were some main candidates. We'll tell you which one it is coming up. Also coming up tonight, Satellite Debris. Sixty-five thousand votes, and we will get to the answer for the greatest coach in Canucks all-time history in a moment. Yes, not too uh, very long from now. But first, Major League Soccer teams are going to allow players to work out at team facilities starting on Wednesday, May the sixth. It's for individual workouts only, so it's a very small step, but a first step to trying to get back to full team practices. The Whitecaps have not trained as a team since March 17th, actually March 12th, make that. But players will be allowed to go to the practice facility at UBC, staggering their workouts to avoid contact. Each player would also have their temperature checked and other measures are in place to ensure as safe an environment as possible. Whitecaps have only played two games. Uh, That was when their season was suspended nearly two months ago. Our all-time Canucks team needs a coach. And I don't think you'll be too surprised at who fans voted for. But there are some good candidates to uh, consider. So let's take a look at who the Canucks all-time bench boss is. Since joining the NHL in 1970, there have been 19 head coaches of the Vancouver Canucks. Sundstrom. Sundstrom coming here. A lot of those coaches weren't all that successful. Bill LaForge only lasted 20 games. Actually, only four coaches in Canucks history have a winning record behind the bench. Mark Crawford is one of them. So actually is John Tortorella, who had a 5.06 win percentage in his only year as a Canucks coach. Elaine Vigneault actually holds the record for best win percentage as a Canucks coach and most wins. He coached Vancouver for seven seasons. And in two of those seasons, the Canucks won the President's Trophy for having the most points in the regular season. Uh, you know, his genuine personality was, was apparent. He, he, uh, he, you could tell he cared, you know, and I think a lot, some other coaches that I've had, it's a bit more of a professional, but he, professional relationship, but he, but he cared. Vino also had a sense of humor, not found in coaches very often. When asked what he thought of the rock group Coldplay, he said this. I don't even know the group. <laughs> I'm French. 
And when asked by Jay Janauer about his fate when he was close to being fired, he had this to say. I'm sure you are hearing what everyone's saying. Fire the coach, fire the GM. They're not saying that, are they? Come on, you're making that stuff up. But as good as Vigneault was, he finished second in fan voting for the all-time coach. Because the guy who won is really more than a coach in Vancouver. Pat Quinn is almost a mythical figure. Yeah, Pat, obviously I think Pat Quinn is probably one of the greatest coaches that I ever played for and managed the team at the same time. He got the most out of us. He knew how to get the most out of us, and I think that's why he was so good. He treated everybody. He treated everybody with respect. And, uh, and the way his style was, like, like, sure, he did get a little crazy at times, but very rarely. And when he did, we knew that, you know, he meant it. And, and also, him being a big man, sometimes you sit on the bench, you know you made a mistake, and he comes over and he puts his hand on your shoulder. He, doesn't have to, he didn't have to say anything. He just, you just knew that he would just come and, hmm, son. <laughs> so you're kind of like, okay. But again, he gave us confidence. A good number of the players you voted onto the all-time team, Pat Quinn either traded for or drafted. Vancouver Canucks are pleased to use our first pick, a proud Westerner, Trevor Linden. Uh, he was a teacher. Um, he loved to teach, and he, lo and he made sense of the game. He, he made it make sense. Um, he was a very proud individual and a, and a tremendous leader, and, and for me, he was a real, real mentor. But he... Um, uh, he really taught uh, taught me the game, which uh, you know a lot of the lessons he taught me I still think about today. And I think if we had done an all-time GM, Pat Quinn would have won that as well. I'm there you go. Right. Thanks to everyone once again who voted. We really appreciate that. The dream team. All right. No doubt. Thank you very much, Squire. Very cool. All right, here's Jay Durant now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Chris. Breaking news about a fire that broke out tonight at Oppenheimer Park, what Vancouver Fire and Rescue were dealing with when they arrived on scene. Plus, Fraser Health has ordered a poultry processing plant in Chilliwack to remain closed as officials investigate an outbreak of COVID-19 at the facility. Fraser Valley Specialty Poultry is one of two new poultry facilities where the virus was confirmed. This week, we'll have those stories and a lot more when you join us tonight at 11. Sounds good. Thank you, Jay. Stick around. Satellite debris and BC's healthcare heroes next. All right, folks, time to recognize our BC healthcare heroes working on the front lines of the pandemic in this province. And tonight's submission comes to us from Colleen Newland. She has nominated the technicians in the medical device reprocessing department at St. Paul's Hospital. Colleen says they come to work every day to ensure that the medical and nursing professionals working on the front lines have the supplies cleaned and sterilized to carry out their work. The team has accepted all the challenges COVID-19 presents, and they have been innovative in developing practices, policies, and procedures that will keep them and their medical and nursing colleagues safe. They take a lot of pride in the work they do, and Colleen says as their clinical nurse educator, she feels privileged to work with all of you. And again, if you have a healthcare hero to nominate, just send your photos and some information, maybe a story about why they're your hero. Send it to BC Healthcare Heroes at globalnews.ca. Socially distanced posing for the photograph. Yeah. <laughs>
Very important. Okay, Squire with satellite debris. Yes, so this uh, first one I'm going to show you is from Heineken. And, of course, bars and pubs all around the world not open right now. So Heineken thinks, you know what? Back your bar when they come back online or maybe even now. Help them out. So all this week, of course, with um, the all-time Canucks roster, we've gone back in time. So I thought I would do this again. I'm going to go back to, I think, 2004 for Bud Light celebrating one of the greatest culinary inventions ever. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Giant Taco Salad Inventor. Mr. Giant Taco Salad Inventor. Ground beef, refried beans, guacamole, cheese, sour cream, and if there's any room left, a few shreds of lettuce. I don't see no lettuce. A culinary creation that baffles the human mind. A 12,000 calorie salad. Some may ask, is your taco salad healthy? Of course it is. It's a salad, isn't it? You can eat that deep fried crunchy bowl. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light conquistador of the calorie. You put the feast in Fiesta. Mr. Giant Taco Salad Inventor. I got to get that guy's album. Okay, so last one, an old school Oreo commercial. Here we go. I've always preferred the cream part of an Oreo. That's crazy. The cookie's the best part. Cream. Cookie. Cream. Cookie. wasn't social distancing, but at least they were quiet in the library. <laughs> That's right. Final word on the weather, Gordo. <laughs> Thanks. Well, we'll start to see the rain develop overnight, and it will be wet for a good part of the day tomorrow. Hopefully some breaks just before dinner time. Happy banging, everyone. <laughs> good night.